Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our current self-titled series, we're looking at what it means to answer the call to be a disciple maker of disciple makers. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. We cried out to God to speak what is true. Well, here are words true for you from the Word of God. A prayer, a prayer from a spiritual father to his children in the faith, a prayer for Jesus' followers, a prayer for you. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. This is a prayer for you. Please take your seat. This is a prayer for you that you might have the strength that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner person, in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart, a strength that provides the resources to overcome. This is a prayer for you that that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Jesus living with you in a fellowship of your day to day. The prayer for you is that you might be rooted and grounded in love. That you may be able to fully know with all the saints. All the saints refers to every believer in the world and here. All the saints. The breath the height, the depth of the love of Jesus, a resource that is bigger than anything you will face in this life. A prayer for you that you will be fooled up, filled up with the fullness of God. See, this prayer for you and for me is that we might know God that we might love God, that we might live for God, that we might be resourced by God in our lives, that knowing God, being in friendship with God, being right with God, it fills the gaps, brings meaning to all the effort, brings color to every perspective, and brings hope to what is to come in the future. You know, the answer to this prayer is possible for you If you believe, if you believe in Jesus, right now I'm going to ask our friends to come and we're going to start passing a plate with pieces of bread followed by a tray that contains small cups filled with grape juice. And what we would like for you is for you to take a piece of the bread and take a cup. Take if you believe, take and hold it. Hold it, waiting for everyone to be served. And when we will take 
the bread and drink of the cup together. You see, when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, what we're doing is we're professing our faith in a simple, a simple act in our worship services instituted by Jesus. It's a testimony of faith. We say we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He went to the cross, that He laid down His body, the bread, and He laid it on a cross to take the punishment that was due to me. He shed his blood so that there might be a new way open for me to be made right with God because I believe, because of faith. And then he's not in the tomb anymore, but he rose again, conquering death once and for all so that I might have life now. Life in the body the church. See, that's why we take the bread together and the juice together. Why? Because we're proclaiming the truth that we believe. We believe in one body, the church, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We believe. We believe the Bible teaches that we're made right with God through grace, by faith, at baptism for good works. That good works part is a reference to the fact that when God comes into our life, it, that our life then begins anew. We're born again. We're energized by the presence of God's Spirit that allows us now not to live in fear, but to live in victory, not to live trying to earn God's approval by our good works, but instead to have our good works as a testimony of our thanks to God. You see, what we've just celebrated is the fact that in communion, we remember that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We celebrate the value that God has placed on us. Those of us who were enemies of God, those of us who are outside of God's will, God's family, are now counted as valuable. That value is demonstrated in the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. We are valuable to God no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter where our resources, we are valuable to God. And that value is demonstrated in what we've just celebrated. But not only that, is that grace goes ahead of us as well because now we have value to offer the world because God's Spirit in us empowers us to live for God, to live in a calling from God. I read to you a prayer that was a prayer for you, a prayer that you will know the fullness of God in your life. That prayer is followed by a challenge, a challenge, a responsibility. Listen to the challenge for you. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The prayer for you comes with a challenge. That challenge is a calling, a calling to walk in a manner worthy of the value God has placed in you. 
You know, the image of walking is the, is, the, is the representation of life. Life is a series of days, a series of minutes collected together in a journey, right? So walking is a picture of how we are to live our life, one step of the other. And if we're following Christ in a journey of faith, our steps are a, a set of steps of obedience to the calling that God has placed in our life by His Spirit. What is that calling? Well, that calling varies to the circumstance and the giftedness and the opportunity that God gives to us. For some of us, the calling may involve saying yes to ministry at the Mount Carmel Christian Church. Many of you said yes to ministry this past Easter weekend, a couple weekends ago, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 2,130 people were blessed because of your response to the calling. Good Friday service. What we did, walk through the Bible, walk through the, the Bible story with our children on Saturday, our three Easter services, 2,130 were served, were blessed because you said yes to the calling. You said yes to come in early at 7.30 in the morning to make coffee, yes to do the greeting, yes to prepare communion, yes to prepare uh, songs to praise, yes to, to gathering together Good Friday and, and going out with your small group to to continue to celebrate the, the, what, what God has done on Good Friday. Yes, to serve our children and families on Saturday. Thank you for serving and responding to that calling. See, God places us in a community of faith filled by the Spirit to help one another to, to work together in fulfilling our calling. Every week we provide opportunity for you to consider a calling of God in your life and we communicate that to you, these opportunities to say yes in a variety of ways. We, we try to highlight in a simplified form in the bulletin, if you look in the back, the, the big things that are coming down in our calendars. The, the women's event, April 28th. Women, are you called to that? We have a concert where we're, we're having special musicians come in Sunday, but then Sunday night they're doing a concert on, on April 29th. In the day-to-day -day life of our church, we have ministry opportunities. If you look in, the, in this card right here, there's a, excuse me, <clears throat> a couple of things that we can help. You can help with food drive. We need those that may feel a calling to serve in children's ministry over the summer. Look at those. Consider those. Pray for those because they may be the calling that you've received at this time at this place. Go on our website, on our front page, we have a, a listing of events that include sign up for open house. You may have a calling to join our church family by going through that class. You may be called to help one of the local missions that we have to serve in a variety of capacities in Bible study and small group. They are callings that we invite you to respond to. Live in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received in the journey of your day-to-day. There are three things that bring a smile to my face, a chuckle, a laugh, that really give me delight. The first thing is little babies. I'm a sucker for babies, little guys. I love them. I don't think there is a non-beautiful, lovely little baby. The second thing is I'm a little bit of a sucker for cute little dogs. I have one at home. He drives me crazy, but I'm a sucker. He chews my shoes, but I forgive him because I'm a sucker for little dogs. 
He loves to play, and I love to play with him. Babies, little dogs, and then the third one is not going to come a surprise to many of you, particularly at this time of the year. The third thing that, that I love to do is baseball. I love to watch baseball. In fact, I have the scars to prove that I've enjoyed some baseball games of late. On Friday, we went to watch the game, and the sun was out for the first time, and I used sunscreen on my knees because that was what was exposed. I was sitting in my chair. I used sunscreen on my knees that my wife gave to me, but the sunscreen was expired. And so I've got some serious burn. I call them knee baseball burn on my knee. Uh, I think the sunscreen she gave me actually promoted burning as opposed to prevented burning. But there we have it. I did it. Why? Because I love to watch baseball. I enjoy baseball. Uh, little babies, uh, cute dogs, and baseball. Now, I was thrilled to death the other day when I came across this video. Some of you have probably seen it on social media. This video that combines all three of those things. Enjoy. Now, if you didn't like that, you probably took too much blood pressure medicine this morning. You're like, just love it. Did you see the, the nuances? Like, you know, his slide, picking up dirt. <laughs> Reminds me of the time where my, one of my boys were outside doing the same kind of thing. He had all dressed up. He was about the same age, and my wife was watching him, and he was doing similar things. And the trouble is, he was doing things that his mom didn't like. He was spitting. And he was scratching. You know where he was scratching, right? And Shannon's like, Diddy, you got to tell him to stop. I'm like, what are you out of your mind? That's all part of it. That's what he does, man. Don't be mommifying him. Anyway, that's a great little video. And uh, to see it brings the light and it combines, like I said, all the three things that, that, I, that, that brings a smile to me. But let's just take a moment to think about what we've just seen. Let's just think about how did this happen? I mean, it just didn't just happen, did it? It didn't just occur. The little boy just didn't find a tee, put it on, a, on you know, the ball on top and, and hit the ball and, and the dog just do what it was doing. It just didn't happen, right? I mean, come on. We know better than that. We know that what we've captured is a part of a total story. And the total story likely begins at the birth of this child with a dad who likely loves baseball, and brought his little boy along with him to see the games, to witness the games, to, to be involved in the games so that he might learn the scratching, the spitting, the sliding, all those techniques that he's mirroring up there, right? A father who spent some time with this boy showing him how to hold a bat and how to swing the bat and how to put the ball on the tee to hit it. And that hitting just didn't happen. It, it probably required modeling and training and in mentoring and practice. That little boy just didn't learn, didn't just do that kind of born and was out of the womb and grew up and was able to do it. No, he learned that by watching and practicing and being invested in intentionally by his father. Then you also have the dog, right? The dog is a terrier, and they're naturally inclined to chase little things. That's what God has placed in their instinct, to chase little things like rats and whatever and to catch them. But you need to do more than just have the instinct for the dog to learn to chase off to the ball and collect it and bring it back and drop it there, right? It also has to be trained. It also has to be taught. It also has to have investment, intentional investment, in order to 
teach it to do what it was doing. And bring all those things together. Bring that story together, and what do you have? You have a picture of what we're observing, a little boy with his dog playing ball. That's how we got here. But let's think about playing the tape even further. Let's think about not stopping the video at that point and stop playing that along and following this child as he grows up because we know that while it's cute when he was two or three doing these things, we know that, that there's more to it, right? That he's going to grow up and maybe this passion, this love, this skill set regarding baseball will begin to develop and grow. And we know that this is not what he's going to stay at. He's not going to keep playing with his dog in this manner. No, he's actually going to stop playing the game for real, for teammates and individuals around him. And he's going to learn not to hit a ball on a tee. He's going to start learning, using the skills he's acquired here, start learning to hit the ball for real as someone pitches at him. And as he grows up from a little boy to a little bit older, a little bit older, and he becomes a high school ball player, he's going to have coaches and he's going to have trainers and he's going to have people investing in, in his life. That includes his father who's giving him an encouragement and being with him all the way along. But, but he's going to have people who will train him to grow grow up as a young person, as a teenager, to play the game for real. And if he is good, and it looks like he's pretty good, he's got a good swing, and he's going to grow up, and maybe he'll go to college. And then from college, maybe he will grow up to play the game for a living. Maybe this will be his calling in his life. And we will say that the calling began with this little video of his dad teaching him right there in the beginning. But it's really a story of a number of people investing in him, training in him, and him giving up all all that he has to get ready to reach the place that he's at. And if we keep playing the tape along further, we know that he plays the game and he meets this girl and they fall in love and they get married and they have a son, another baby. And the little baby sits with his daddy and watches baseball and knows, grows up with baseball and captures the same love and the daddy knows what his daddy did. And he sets up a tee and teaches him how to hit the ball off the tee. And maybe they have a dog that they teach the same thing. And the whole process is repeated again, right? See, what we have here is a picture, really, even though it's in, in the cute baseball fashion, a picture of really of what happens in life with all of us. We're born into a family, right? We're born into a family, and the job of that family is to, first and foremost, feed us, protect us, and make sure we are safe because as babies, we're helpless. All we can do is eat and sleep and, and um, need to be changed. And we're in that point where there is a total investment by parents. But as we grow up, we start becoming little children. And little children, their number one word is why, right? Why, why? And they try to experiment and, and, and feel out the world. That's why you have to tell them don't touch the stove. But they still touch it anyway because they're trying to figure out what's going on in the world. And as they grow up, you start to, to teach them and invest in them more. The protection mode becomes less and less because your child is heading towards teenage, uh, being a teenager, and as a good friend said, you know, a teenager is this process of letting this kite fly, and you've got the string, and you're holding this kite, and as a parent, you're, you're letting it go little by little, trying to be wise, because there's some gusts and some things, but as a 
teenager, you want to give your child more and more responsibility, more and more uh, investment and, and, and value to what they do because they're learning how to live as mature adults to the point where you let them go and fly on their own. And when they fly on their own as young adults, you pray that you've done all the work you can to prepare them. And that work is not just you, but you've got others who've come around you, teachers and family members and church community that have taught them how to be an adult a mature adult, and the measure of their maturity is that they too then get married and have children, and guess what? The process all begins again. You've got a baby. You know, that process, God established the family to do that. He also established the church to follow a very similar pattern, right? It's no surprise that the language in the Bible is family language. You are born again when you become a new believer, right? Grow up, little children, in the faith. Become mature. Be a Jesus follower. What is a Jesus follower? I will use the word disciple. Well, what's the job of a disciple? He says, go out in the world and what? Make disciples. Disciples are called to make more disciples. So the mark of maturity, the mark of growing up in the faith is being a person that is a parent in the faith. You are a disciple maker. You are a Jesus follower maker. And when you have babies in the faith, they too are to grow up and do the same thing over again in the family of faith we call the church. And so... The call, the, the, the prayer is that every one of us may know God to the fullest. That call is, comes with a challenge. When you know God to the fullest, live in a manner that's worthy to the calling that you've received. And the calling that you received is that you become one who begins the process of following God's plan to bring about mature, fully committed Jesus followers. Now, Paul shares the plan with us here in Ephesians. Just follow along with me. It's a plan for you. He says, and he gave some as apostles. Now, Paul's at a point where he's talking about the Holy Spirit and God and the establishment of this plan. And he begins by saying, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. What's the purpose of these people? For equipping of the saints. The saints refers to everyone in the church. It refers to those who are made right with God through faith. In other words, if you're a Jesus follower, you're a saint. Uh, saints for works of service, works of service, good works, for, to the building up of the body of Christ. Why do we, are, why do we serve? Why do we, we fulfill the calling we have in our life? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, or the word is perfect as well, to a complete person in Christ, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, the plan that God has for us is that he established a church by the Spirit that has leadership. Their role and leadership is to equip and train the church, the members of the church, you and me, to grow up in the faith, to fulfill the prayer that God has for us so that we might know the fullness of God in our life, living a life worthy of the calling we've received. You get it? So that's why God set up the apostles, right? The first leaders of the church. They're uniquely charged by God. They're a one-off office that says, you guys are specially equipped with gifts and powers that no one else will in order you might establish the church. The 
testimony and the witness and the teaching of the apostles are contained in the pages of our Bible, particularly the New Testament. And in that, we have everything we need, all the information, all the data, all the resources we need so that what? We can continue to establish the church as they intended, as was given to them. And the responsibility of taking their witness and taking the words of God and applying him in the church is given to the leaders of the local church, which he points out as prophets, that's another word for preachers, evangelists, individuals gifted with the, the special gift of helping the church reach out to those who do not know Jesus so that they might be persuaded to become Jesus followers as well. Pastors, that's an, another name for elders, the shepherds of the flock, and teachers, individuals given with the gift of explaining the Word of God so that we might live it out in our lives. Now, those are a, a list of leadership in the church, but we know that in other places in Scripture that we have other gifts that are given. Why? For the purpose of the church to grow. What does that mean? Well, it means in numbers, but it primarily means that the parts of the church, the individuals of the church, will begin to recognize their calling, start doing what they're called to do, move from being a child in the faith, a baby in the faith, to a parent in the faith, helping others learn what it means to be a Jesus follower too as they fulfill their calling. That's God's plan. And he says, when that works, he says this, as a result, we're no longer to be children Just as we don't want a child to stay a child, though it's fun, the goal of a child in a family is to become an adult. And when they stay a child, we know something's not right. We're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The leadership of the church as God ordained does its work, then the parts of the church do their work as design. And when each of us do our parts, what happens is the church grows. Into what? We grow up as individuals so that we might be mature as a body. We might be a family as God intended. You know, I'm at the point in my life where I'm beginning to see my kids. They've left home. They're adults, young adults. And I'll tell you that there's nothing more fulfilling to see your kids grow up. There's nothing more heartbreaking to see them mess up, though, <laughs> as well. But let's talk about them growing in a positive sense, right? There's nothing more fulfilling to see your kids grow up. There's a, a text in, in 3 John 1, 4, says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This is a parent Jesus follower communicating to his children in the faith, saying, I have no greater joy to hear that you are growing up and walking in the faith. In other words, the message is that this thing called church, this thing called coming to Christ, this thing being in the community of faith cannot be a stagnant thing. We cannot stay at the place we are 
there's a needs to be a movement towards maturity. Babies need basic milk protection and attention by those who are their parents to help them grow up. If you are new to the faith, you have to grow up. Now, the thing about babies is the babies don't apologize for being demanding. Uh, no child says, I apologize, mother, for disturbing your peace. But do you have on your schedule, perhaps, a time in which you will give me basic sustenance and clean my diaper? No, they scream bloody murder, right? Because they're not ashamed to demand what they need so that they may grow up. Well, in the same way, I'm giving you who are new Christians the opportunities. Now, don't be immature about it. <laughs> but demand to grow up. Demand the basics. And those of us who are more mature in the faith, who hear the requests of babies in the faith saying, what do I do to read the Bible? How do I pray? How do I go about this thing of following Jesus in my day-to-day? -day? How do I deal with this issue in my life that, that I have no answers for? What, what's going on? I don't understand this. I need help with that. We need to be patient and dedicated to help them grow as babies because they're new in the faith. I think there's a tragedy in the church where the focus is on birth. And we forget the goal is not birth, the goal is maturity. So we have these folks come to the Lord and we tell them, yes, you'll have life. And they're born again and then they're left to go on their own. And so many of them are just abandoned and left alone and not nurtured and given what they need. And eventually they walk away or die in the faith because their family haven't committed to taking care of them. The church has a nursery. We have our babies, and we need to take care of them. But babies can't stay babies. They need to grow up, and they grow up to the next stage, which is what? Young children. What's the marker of a young child? They're selfish. They want to know everything about everything, and they're learning about life. They're learning about the basics. But children are all about me and about their world, right? That's why you know that's the difference between maturity and immaturity. An immature person is all about me and my things. And, and how do you identify a, a baby Christian? Well, listen to them talk. It's about what they like and about what they want and about how they want things and about stuff that they need answers for for themselves. And it's all about them, really. And that's not that it's bad. It's just that they're immature and they're learning, right? They're learning. The problem is, is if you've been a Christian for 20 years and you're still obey a child and still selfish and still self-centered and think it's all about you and about what you need and you're always learning, I need to be fed, fed, fed. That's the problem. But if you are a child in the faith and you're learning, it's okay to ask, okay, I need to understand this about the Bible and how do you apply that? And, and, and as I live in this life, how does it, what does it mean to, to tithe, to give to God and joyfully with my money? And how do I learn to be a, a, a fulfilling uh, husband or wife as, as the scriptures tend? And that's okay. That's what we need. And, and we need to be aware of that. But children got to move on. They've got to grow up. And what's the next stage? Well, that teenage, young adult stage. And how do we get teen children out to this young adult stage? Well, we give them more responsibilities. In church work, that means ministry. You see, what we do with teenagers is we don't give them enough responsibility. That's the problem. Too many hovering parents. And what you do when you hover and you don't want them to fail, well, you teach them that they are unable to do it. See, the goal of child-rearing as a teenager is to 
teach your kids to face difficult challenges so that they might succeed and grow up in confidence. And they may fail, but if you're with them and guide them through that, they learn and they grow. And as they learn and grow, they start to be released to becoming an adult. Well, in church terms, that means serving, the ministry of love. How is it that every time we go on a mission trip as a church, the number one thing that everyone says when they come back is, I believe I was more blessed than those that I went to serve. I believe I grew more than, than those that I went to help grow. Well, it's because serving, doing things for others, expressing love, fulfilling the golden rule, love others more than you love ourselves, doing things to honor God and to learn others, that helps you grow up and to learn that the world is not about you and to learn that you're here to serve and you have value to give because you are valuable to God. And that's a good place to be, but we know that there's more, right? There's one more. You gotta grow up from a teenager to be a, an adult that has children, a parent. Be a disciple maker. Because that's what Jesus said, go out into the world and make disciples, make Jesus followers, teaching them everything I've commanded you, baptizing them, bring them to faith, let them grow up and, and go through this process and I'm with you to the end of the age, I'm with you in this. Be a parent in the faith. Well, how do I know I'm a parent? What does that mean? It's pretty obvious. How do I know I'm a parent? I got kids. I got kids. Now, in life, many of us have kids, and we're not ready for kids, right? Uh, like I said, when the child was born, I looked on, on the big toe if there was an instruction manual attached, nothing. So what did I do? Well, I learned as I went, but I also I went to seek advice from those who were, were parents ahead of me, and I read the Word of God, and I prayed many times, still do, crying out to God for wisdom for my kids, and I invested myself in a lifelong learning as I went along with them. Well, as Jesus followers, guess what? Those who are in your sphere of influence, there are people that you look to as a parent. You know that? There are people that you say, you know what? I look to this person because I'm going to follow them as they follow Jesus. But also realize that there are people in your sphere of influence, in your relationship circles, that are looking to you. If you're a parent, guess what? It's your children. There's someone who's saying, I'm going to follow that person as they follow Jesus. And it may not be intentional that way, but because you are a Jesus follower, it happens in that way. Every single one of us are connected in our relational circles to people we have influence on, and we have to recognize that God has called us to be spiritual parents, and we need to be intentional about that, be aware of that, understand that, and give ourselves to continue to grow up, because guess what? Someone has been assigned by God to follow you as you follow Jesus. It's the way he designed the family of faith. And so what's required is those basics, right? What did Jesus say? If you want to follow me, you've got to take up your what? Take up your cross. What does that mean? That means you have to have total commitment. Peter, we talked about that. Tim talked about Peter. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What did Peter do? Dropped his nets and followed him. What does that mean? Total commitment. Many times I hear people complain about church 
and some of it is justified. Disappointment in how things are. They read the Bible and they experience church and life and it doesn't match, and I get it. And it usually surrounds the question of who's responsible for my spiritual growth. Well, that's a complicated question. Based on Scripture, what we've seen, there are a number of people that are responsible. First and foremost, God's Holy Spirit. He gives us the gift of the Spirit to walk with us in life. And God's Spirit isn't, doesn't possess us. When we talk about the Spirit of God in our life, God's Spirit doesn't come in to take over, take control, mind-numbing, doing things that we've never done. No, that's not what God's Spirit's all about. No, God's Spirit, as my mom said, is the perfect gentleman. And God comes in for fellowship. God comes in for releasing and delight. God comes in to walk with you day by day. And God's Spirit is given to you as a resource. Whether you're a baby or a child or a teen or a parent, God's Spirit is there for you, and He works with you. The question is, are we attuned to Him? Are we opening ourselves up to Him? Are we uh, being aware of Him? And that's where the habits of life and the things of doing what we are called to do and studying the Word and and prayer and and giving our day-to-day to Him, that's where that's all involved. God's Spirit is responsible for your development. Also, according to Scripture, the church, the leadership of the church, the people that the Spirit has assigned gifts to, leaders, pastors, teachers, preachers, evangelists, all those, they're responsible for your growth. And and that's a responsibility that those of us that are called to that are aware of and understand that we have to invest and be aware of training those who are under our charge. Uh, As we follow the great shepherd, we are his under shepherds and we're here to serve. We're responsible. But ultimately, the person that's responsible for being cooperative in the work of God in your life is you, right? Babies cry so they can be fed. Little children ask questions so that they can know. Teenagers want the keys to the car. And parents, they have kids. And they know they have to do what they have to do to what's best for these kids. Will you cooperate with God's work? His prayer for you is that you have the fullness of God in your life. His challenge for you is that you will walk in that fullness in a manner worthy. In other words, you will respond to the calling God's placed in your life. But also, will you cooperate? Will you join in the plan? The plan. To recognize that if you're a baby, you may be a baby, you might have to be courageous and say, I'm a baby in the faith, I need some basics. Or you may be a young child in the faith and you may need to grow up. Or you may be a teenager in the faith and you may need to say, okay, it's time to really say yes to service. I've been saying no because I say I'm too busy, I'm too this, I'm too this. I've got to say yes to, to serve and love. And then every one of us need to recognize the goal is to be a parent and say, who has God assigned me Who has God assigned me for me to look to so that I might follow them as they follow Jesus? And who do I need to realize that is following me as I follow Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I pray you guide us and speak to us by your spirit as we close up this time. I pray that you help us recognize that you have a a prayer for us, a a challenge for us, and a, a plan for us. And I ask that you would help us to cooperate with these things. 
Pray, Lord, that you speak to us by your spirit and that you would convict us if we need conviction as to maybe some of us are stuck and are rebelling against the call to growth, that your spirit's prompting, that the church is prompting. And I pray that you'd help us to cooperate that so we might grow up in you to full fullness of God in our life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.